We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. IB Nation, welcome back to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. It is Wednesday, January 18th. That dude's Ryan Roberts. I'm Brian Driscoll. And, you know, we were going to talk, Ryan, today about sort of continue our series of the position overviews. But Notre Dame finally finalized a schedule. I shouldn't say Notre Dame finalized their schedule. The ACC finalized their schedule, which allowed Notre Dame to finalize their schedule. So the 2023 Notre Dame football schedule, Ryan, is now out and it's interesting and there's already been a lot of debate as is ever the case every year and i just want to kind of go over the the schedule with you and everybody else and just kind of get our thoughts on it so uh so people already starting in the chat though right why is ryan in the power position you know i gotta let him feel special every now and then you know what i mean like the things that people observe man it's i love it i love it so ryan when i first look at the schedule Obviously, it uh, you know we kind of thought that the first three weeks would be pretty easy because you looked at Notre Dame's schedule and you thought, well, they're going to probably schedule a bye in between Tennessee State and Central Michigan. Just the way that the schedule looked out, there's a lot of open November dates, a lot of open October dates. You figured oh, they'll probably make, they'll probably mix it up a little bit. And they did not. They scheduled NC State in that mark on September 9th. And then they have, so here's how the schedule looks. It's home against Navy, or excuse me, start the season off against Navy on August 26th in Dublin, Ireland. Then come home that next week, September 2nd, for a home game against Tennessee State, Notre Dame's first ever game against a FCS opponent. Week later, they travel down to Raleigh, North Carolina to play NC State for the first time since the hurricane game of 2016. September 16th, they return home for two straight games. They got Central Michigan on the 16th, then Ohio State on the 23rd. Back-to-back road games, you finish off September with a game at Duke. Then a week later to kick off the October slate at Louisville. Then they come back home against USC. Then there's a bye October 21st, which means most likely Notre Dame will have a bye during midterms, which will be important. And then finish off October with a home game against Pitt. And then November kicks off at Clemson then a bye, home against Wake Forest, and at Stanford. So that is the schedule, Ryan, and there's a lot of different ways to look at it. 
I think the first way I want to look at it is just kind of big picture is so we'll, we'll talk kind of big picture. We'll get into some things we like. We'll go to like toughest stretch of the game of the schedule. We'll talk about some trap games. And then, uh, you know, discuss, do we like the buys being so backloaded? Should they have mixed the buys in and out since Notre Dame starts a week early? This is one of those years where they, because they're they're starting, to, they're starting, they're kind of, they're going to have a week zero game this year, basically against Navy. So it gives them an extra buy during the season. How, what was the best way to use it? A lot of people saying, hey, eight straight, eight straight games in a row, boy, that's really tough. And then, uh, you know, moving forward, it's like, man, you you know, you, you may not make it to those bye weeks in October, November. So I have a different view on that. So we'll get into that as well, Ryan. And then, of course, we'll we'll get into mailbag, which I'm sure there'll be a lot of questions and comments about the schedule, Ryan. But when I look at a schedule for Notre Dame, the first thing I look at and say, is this a schedule that sets up for Notre Dame to make a title run? And what that means to me is twofold. Number one is, is it a schedule this team is good enough to manage and handle and win? And number two, is it a schedule that allows them to not have to be perfect to be in the playoff? And to me, I think both of those answers are yes. I think this is a schedule that certainly is going to give Notre Dame, Notre Dame a lot of credibility when it comes to if they're able to manage it, unless a lot of teams on the schedule take steps back. Because when you when you look at the schedule, Ryan, here, I'm going to go into order and give you the, the record of the teams that they play this year. It starts off 4-8 Navy. Four and seven Tennessee State. Not not a great start, right? Then you move on to NC State, who went eight and five, four and eight Central Michigan. Now here's where it ramps up. Eleven and two Ohio State, nine and four Duke, eight and five Louisville, eleven and three USC, nine and four Pitt, eleven and three Clemson, eight and five Wake Forest, and then you end with Stanford, who went three and nine. So there's definitely a couple really tough stretches in there. But also a, a situation, Ryan, where you look at it and say, it's got a tough stretch. It's got big name opponents that you expect to be highly ranked teams. USC, Ohio State, and Clemson are all top 10 caliber teams going into the preseason. USC and Ohio State are almost consistently, like consensus across the board, top 10 teams preseason. Clemson's like right on the, the fringe with some people. I think by the time they play Notre Dame, they'll probably be back in the top 10 looking at their schedule. And so, number one, Ryan, I think this schedule that has enough star power and depth to where it's not going to be like 2019, where if you don't beat Georgia, you don't have a chance because that's really the only really good team on your schedule. Because if they, what people got to remember is in 19, if they'd have beat Michigan, they'd have knocked Michigan out of the top 25. Hmm. And they're sitting there with a schedule that, you're like the only ranked team you beat was was Clemson. It was very similar to the 2021 schedule for Notre Dame. Or you know when when they played, really Cincinnati was the only, only good team they played. And even in the preseason, it looked a little soft. Like maybe Wake Forest gets in there. You know maybe USC gets in there. They ended up imploding, but it was not a tough schedule, Ryan. I think this schedule has the top to bottom strength, and it gives them a big game in November. It's early November, and that is one little concern as you have a buy. A Wake team I don't think is going to be very good, and the Stanford, Stanford team is not going to be very good at the end. So you don't have that chance for that splash win at the end, but you do have that game against Clemson. And so October, you got USC at home. November, you got Clemson on the road. Those are going to be two chances to earn big wins. So I do think to begin, Ryan, it is a schedule that certainly is strong enough that if Notre Dame is able to go 11-1, and one, they can still be a playoff team, in my opinion. Obviously, some other things have to shake out, but I think that's a very important piece to look at it. But it's also not too tough to where they can't go 11 and one 
against this schedule right. if they if they can make some improvements and be the team they're capable of. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, I think the first thing that we always look at, and this is just a general perspective, is where are the tough games on the schedule? And like you mentioned, you have September 23rd against Ohio State. You have USC on the, on October 14th, and then clubs in November 4th. So those games are a little spread out, and I would say that those are probably the three pillar games of this season, sort of like it was this past year. You know, you talked about Ohio State, Clemson, and then USC. Obviously, this is just in a little bit of a different order pertinent to USC and Clemson, but you still have – what are the potentially three pillars of the season for Notre Dame, the three toughest opponents, at least on paper, entering the year. But I think what makes it really interesting is there are some secondary teams on this schedule, the Pitts of the world, the NC States, the Dukes. Duke quietly you know, won nine games and is really improving quickly under Mike Elko with the quarterback that they have over there in Duke. So I think you see the, the pillars are spread out enough that you look at it and say like that's still kind of the – checkpoint to how good we could potentially be this season to beat those types of teams, the check marks, if you will, of the season. But then you still have the good teams that are kind of littered throughout the the schedule. Like this is not a cupcake schedule. We've known about just kind of generally seeing the opponents that Notre Dame is going to play even before the official schedule release that this was going to be a challenging schedule. It is. And especially after what we saw from a team like Duke this season, we saw Louisville, you know, kind of have a little bit of a better season comparative to 2021. So you're playing some teams that are going in positive directions and that is kind of evened out the rest of the schedule. You know, it's not just the three pillars and then it kind of falls off the, the face of the earth and you're just like, you're playing bottom dwellers throughout. Like you have some challenging games outside of those three big ones. But ultimately, that's the three that are going to be you're going to be judged by mostly because those are the three as high quality of wins. But I really do think, Brian, that it's a challenging schedule. I think that it's pretty well spread out, though. I mean, there's a I mean, there's a stretch that we'll talk about that is very daunting, but you're playing at Notre Dame. There's always going to be a stretch in most years that is a little bit of a daunting task. But I do think that Notre Dame has 
big challenge ahead of them, obviously. Some very good quality teams at the top, but I think the secondary teams for me, when I look at the schedule, just kind of sporadically throughout the throughout the entirety of the schedule is what really pops out to me is that Notre Dame, you know, they, there's not a ton of cakewalks. Like you could say there's a couple of cakewalks to begin the season, a couple of cakewalks to potentially end the season, but throughout the meat of that schedule, you really can't have a week off and you really have right. to play your best football because there's a lot of challenging opponents on the 2023 slate. I think the first thing for me, Ryan, that I want <clears throat> to discuss is this is the buys. Yes. Because for whatever reason, like buys becomes an obsession for some people. Like, where are buys? What teams have buys before we play them? What teams, why doesn't Notre Dame have a buy before they play certain teams? And I don't, I've just never been one of those people that puts as much stock on buys. I think that buys are great to let your team get rest and heal. But as I look at it, number one, I'm actually, I actually like the fact that buys are late. And the reason I say that is, is because. Notre Dame is going to have at least two games that if this team is good enough to make a title run, there's going to be at least two games in September that are cakewalk games, maybe three. And that obviously is Tennessee state and central Michigan. I mean, if you're not pulling your starters pretty early in the third quarter, there's a bigger, much bigger problem than, and it doesn't matter if you have a bye week early or not, your team is flawed and you know, you're not going to beat those teams up because, or not beat those teams up because you didn't have a bye between central Michigan, right? Number one, right. Number two, so like I like playing when your team when you're fresh, and what tends to happen is teams wear down late. Well, if you look at this, Ryan, in the last six weeks of the season, as your as your teams, because you start to see that fade in like late October, mm-hmm. is when the legs get heavy and the injuries start piling up, and all those type of things set in, right? Well, this year you've got a buy, and and two buys in the last six weeks, so you come out of that USC game with a buy before Pitt, then Clemson, then a bye, then Wake and Stanford. So you got bye, two games, bye, two games, which yep. means they're going to be a lot f- more fresh in November, in my opinion. And I think that's a, 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 a very important aspect to this, Ryan, is I I think I like, I like late buys. What I hate is when you have like an early buy and then you don't have another buy for the rest of the year. Now, I think people would argue this year, you know, have an early one, have a later one. Well, let's just say instead of playing NC State in week three, they'd have put NC State in that bye, then this is what Notre Dame's schedule would have been after Central Michigan. Ohio State, at Duke, at Louisville, home against USC, at NC State, home against Pitt, at Clemson, then a bye. Yeah. That's a brutal stretch of football with no breaks. Much more so than Navy, Tennessee State, NC State, Central Michigan – then Ohio State, Duke, Louisville, USC. So which eight-game slate do you think is going to be hardest for Notre Dame? One that's later? That includes a stretch of of Ohio State, Duke, Louisville, USC, NC State, Pitt, and Clemson? Or having the stretch kind of be earlier when your team is more fresh, and in part of that stretch you have some not very good teams mixed in, including an FCS opponent. So I actually like – and that's not true always, Ryan – if your September was brutal, like it had been in the past, then you need an earlier buy. But the fact is, it's not this this schedule. I, I normally like a buy kind of week three or four, and then a week a boy like nine or ten is kind of how I prefer a two buy thing working. If it's not, then I kind of like buy somewhere in the middle of the year. I hate too early, hate too late when it's just one buy. Yeah. I think this schedule to me is a little bit different, Ryan, because I, I do like the notion of because you have two really weak opponents early, 
people say, well, Marshall was weak. Marshall was a good football team. We said it all last offseason. They were a good football team. Central Michigan is not. They're a bad MAC team. Mm-hmm. And they're not a MAC team that does things schematically that should give a team like Notre Dame problems. They're not as good as what Toledo was two years ago. But if this Notre Dame team is as good as that team two years ago, then there's a problem much bigger than where your buys are. You're not going to be good enough to run through this schedule. So, Ryan, to me, I kind of like where the buys are placed for Notre Dame. We'll talk about other buys here in a second. But uh, I like where the buys are placed at the from an early to late standpoint. Now, we'll talk in a minute about should they be before and after big games, whatever. But just as far as the early versus late, Ryan, I kind of like it. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, being a, a person that's played football, you know, on the high school and college level, like I, I know that it's this is even taking a look at what the schedule looks like. I mean, you're you're fresh and ready to go, right? In September and October, usually, right? Like nothing can really you feel like you're invincible, you know, and then you get into November usually and it's like, oh, body's hurting a little bit, man. Like, you know what I mean? It's you're starting to feel those repercussions of playing so many weeks straight and so many weeks straight and your body is just starting to wear down a little bit. So I honestly do prefer the later buys as well, because I think that for me in this scenario where, and I know we'll talk about the actual placement of the buys and why it's important or maybe not as important if we're looking at it, depending on the vantage point. Overrated. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it can be very overrated. And I have a, I actually, kind of like how this bye week shook yeah. out comparative to what's around it as well, which we'll get into. Right. But I mean, for me, I'm more into like, you have the adrenaline going early on in the season. You don't have a daunting slate to start the year. That's the most important part. Right. I mean, I know they snuck NC state in that top four, but I mean, Navy, you don't have to go from traditional offense to option tradi- yes. to the traditional offense. Since you start with Navy. Yes. Right. You get that out of the way. You get the you know the glitz and glam of being in Dublin, and then you get back into the normalcy to be able to take on a Tennessee State. And I know NC State's sandwiched in between now, but still Tennessee State, Central Michigan, who wasn't very good last year. You have a soft enough beginning of the schedule where even though you run into a, a you know pretty daunting second four there for Notre Dame, I still like the later buys just because it's not a tough start to the season, right? If, right. if, if it was, to your point, if that second four games was the first four instead, then I might think a little differently. I mean, it might be like after that third or fourth game, like, hey, might need, might need a week, you know, need to get the body right. back straight. But, I mean, in this schedule with how it begins with not the best of competition and ends with the not best competition, I kind of like how they had both buys later in the year. So, Ryan, one of the things that's been a lot of pushback, we've even seen in this chat, is people saying, why didn't Notre Dame get a buy before the big game? You know, but, you know, why is it after Clemson instead of before Clemson? And my response is simply because I'd rather have a, a break coming out of a tough game than going into a tough game. You know, like sometimes having that extra time to prepare can be good from because you can get healthy. But that's... I've said this a million times. A lot of times in college football, you have extra time to prepare. It gets in your head as a player, because especially for a big game. Now you got two weeks to listen to all the hype as opposed to just staying on schedule, staying in your routine, staying in your routine. You got practice, you got Monday, you got Tuesday. Stay in your routine. I like that. I think football especially is a sport where that is important. Uh, staying in your routine is important. I think the, the, the one thing buys can do, Ryan, is give you time to rest and get healthy guys back. I get that. But that's what Tennessee State is. That's what Central Michigan is. And, and with all due respect, those are games where, hey, um, 
wide receiver one has an ankle injury and and is a little bit you know slow out of the gate so you know he 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 hurts it against navy then just don't play him against central against tennessee state (laughs) right like give him a week off you know like you can literally start your backups and beat tennessee state and i don't mean that disrespectfully but like if notre dame's not in that case then there then there's a problem and that's true with a lot of fcs teams at that level so and I mean backups, I'm talking about receivers, not starting your entire second string. That I'm not meaning that level of disrespect. I'm just saying, like, if you have a position group that's banged up, then just play your you know your backups and you should still be good. So, Ryan, when I look at it, I just think that people make way too much of that. Because look, look at the Clemson-Notre Dame game this year. Who had a bye before that game? It was Clemson, not Notre Dame. Yep. Look who also had a bye before Notre Dame played North Carolina. It wasn't Notre Dame, it was North Carolina. And they smacked both of those teams. BYU didn't have a traditional buy, but they had like a Thursday or something like that game before Notre Dame. So they had extra time to prepare for Notre Dame as well. Didn't help. You know who didn't have a bye week before they played Notre Dame? Marshall and Stanford. <laughs> right? So, you know, yeah. I, I think the whole buy thing, it, it gets overplayed, to be completely honest with you. Yeah. Well, well I yeah. would, I mean, I would say this like sometimes when you have too much time before a big opponent, yeah, you kind of overcomplicate things a little bit. Yeah, it gets you know? in your you head, get, man. Or you get or a the little coaches, hey, we can put more scheme in. We have exactly. more time to put more in. Exactly. Yeah. That, that's what I'm saying. Like for coaches, I, and I know this just from, I mean, it's only coaching on the high school level. Like when you have too much time to prepare for guys, you're like, huh, maybe I can add in this wrinkle. Maybe I can sneak this in. And it's just right. like, nah, man, like just do what you right. do, you know, perfect what you do well. That's what these weeks are designed for. But I really think that it can overcomplicate things. I think as what, what you just said as well, as far as players getting a little too up for it for too long, it kind of sure. can be emotionally draining a little bit. And I, I 100% prefer bye weeks after the tough games, the, the games that can yeah. beat you up, not only just physically, but mentally, right? Like those games. Like Clemson, because, they have a bye after yeah. Clemson, which is good because that's going to be a physical, even if you, like even this year, Notre Dame smashed Clemson, but Clemson yes. played hard. That was just still oh, a physical sure. game mm-hmm. that took its toll on both teams. And now you get a buy after it. And it's starting to get that late in the year kind of deal. And here's the other thing. You had a bye week before Clemson. You had a bye week two weeks before Clemson. Right. So you get ready for that stretch. You can get some advanced scouting work done on Clemson during that bye week with your analysts and different people. So you can kind of spend more time on what are their strengths and weaknesses. That's what analysts are supposed to do. That's yep. one of the jobs of the people in your back office is your advance, getting advanced scouting done. And I would assume Notre Dame has that in their schedule. I believe that they are in their, in their kind of their staff. And I believe that, that they do from things I've talked to. So I, I do expect that to be, that to be a case too, but I, I'm with you, Ryan. I like buys. I like buys after big games, not before big games. I mean, because it's not even to just rest your body because, like, that's needed, right? You need to be able to just take a step back, you know, just to maybe get a day off, let the body rest. But also, it's like the mental side of it, too, right? It's like, hey, guys, just came off an emotional win. That's fantastic. Let's refocus, right? Or if you come off an emotional loss, that's even worse. Then you definitely have to refocus. Like, I will say say the opposite. I'll say the opposite. If I lose, I want to get right back out on the field and play again. And, and, and I'm pissed I want to go win a game. Hmm. To me, it's the wins, the big wins. Let's say USC's undefeated at that point in time, which is possible. Sure. The last thing I want is to kind of come out of that game and win that game 
and I'm feeling really good about myself, and I got to play NC State on the road the next week. You know, because like high. it may yeah. be a couple yeah. of days where I'm feeling good about myself. You know what I mean? And and hey, we've made it through the tough part. Or same thing with Clemson. Let's say they move that NC State game to after the Clemson game, and they had a bye before Clemson. Well, now it's like, hey, let let me come out of that. Not only get my breather, but like you said, if you get a win in that game, then you got to fly back home in November. Then you got to fly back down to to North Carolina again the next week to play another tough team in November. I don't know if that's necessarily the ideal the ideal scenario in those situations. So we agree. I definitely like bye weeks afterwards, after okay. a big game, not before a big game, in my view. Now, I I don't mind having a kind of a cupcake opponent before a big team. And that's what I like about the Ohio State part is I do like the idea of having a Central Michigan before that game because there's naturally going to be some overlooking whoever you play the week before Ohio State. Sure. At least this way, you're kind of like, okay, let's, you know, let's, there's some things you can do to, you know, put some stuff on film for their benefit, right? There's some things you can do kind of emotionally to, to kind of get your team ready to, to, to roll through that opponent. But if there is a little bit of a looking ahead, it's not going to sting as much when you're playing central Michigan as it will when you're, if you're not, if you're going to play like an NC state or something like that there. How dare you inter- insult the Chippewas like that, hey, man? How you know dare what? you? Get a tougher nickname. I'm, I'm totally kidding. <laughs> true. I'm, to, I'm totally That's kidding. True. I'm totally kidding. Um, I mean, Notre Dame's is mascot's a leprechaun, so I mean, I can't exactly like you know get too upset uh, with people. A, a, a mythical figure, yeah. Right. 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 That's like a you know three feet tall. So uh, yeah. I, I hope there's not kids out there that have just ruined it. That leprechaun. I know, real, I know but... right? Yeah. <laughs> Darby O'Gill and the little people. The kids are still watching that on Disney. I'm not sure. So, Ryan, let's kind of talk a little bit specifics about the schedule. One interesting note about the schedule is they moved the Wake Forest game. The Wake Forest game was originally slated for that October 28th uh, week, I believe. Let me let me look at it real quick. I made a note in today's – in the article I did today. I just want to make sure that I, that was correct. That was originally slated for – the Wake Forest game was originally slated for, for October 28th. So it would have been uh, USC Wake Forest – in that back-to-back at home. And they moved Wake Forest to the last uh, home game of November, which is November 18th. So the irony there just cannot be ignored, right? Like Sam Hartman's last game at Notre Dame is going to be against Wake Forest. That's going to be really good or really bad. You know, like I don't think Wake's capable of upsetting Notre Dame this year because I don't think this is going to be the same Notre Dame team that like got beat by Stanford and Marshall, right? Sure. But you do worry about maybe him being a little too amped up in that game, to be completely honest with you. But um, it's going to be intriguing nonetheless. It's really going to be intriguing. And I and I think that's a program that Notre Dame has respect for. I think Dave Clawson yep. is a coach that a lot of people have respect for as a, as a coach, as a person. I think he's a good guy. Uh, full disclosure, I, I interviewed for a position with Dave Clawson. Really genuinely good man. Like, good guy. And so – I think there it's it's not meant to be sort of like a slap in the face. I really do think practically it made sense to move that game, but mm-hmm. I do wonder how much conversation went into like uh, do we <laughs> do we really want to move make make Wake Forest Senior Day <laughs> with Sam Hartman on our team this year? I found that very uh, very intriguing, Ryan. And and Wake, I mean, not to give the insight on Wake Forest this early in the process, but they, they lost a lot for the roster this yeah. year, man. There's a, there's a, a. T. Perry go is he is he done as well? Is he going pro he's, as well? 
He's in the NFL. He's going to the NFL. Yep. They lost Hartman. The Bothroyd kid is trans transferred out. Like it's they, they lost a lot off that team. So it's gonna yeah. be it's gonna be interesting, man. It's gonna be interesting. But to your point, that is very ironic. And I'll be very interested to see how Sam Hartman plays in that game. Cause that is, yeah. I mean, it's gonna be the I mean, you were with those dudes. Game. You were with those dudes for five years, you know. <laughs> it's like you were with them for and, like and a it's year. It's not or like two. he's like, leaving because there's ill will, right? He's a it's captain like, for that team, right? And he yeah. told them before the season he was done after this year because right. you know, understand it. He was either going to go pro or he was going to do the move that he did. So, yeah, you know, he could have easily transferred a year ago and spent his last two years somewhere if there was some sort of animosity. But he wanted to see it through and then use that COVID year basically to do what he's doing now, which is to come to Notre Dame. So that's uh, interesting. I do want to point out, too, that the only team that had a bye week before Notre Dame this year that beat Notre Dame was Ohio State, which technically didn't have a bye. But Notre Dame, I mean, because you, you, you could say week zero was a bye for Ohio State, sure. but so did Notre Dame. Neither of those teams played in a, a game before that game. So the only team that beat Notre Dame that had a bye before them that the, the Notre Dame didn't also have a bye was Ohio State, or you know that yeah. also had a bye was Ohio State. Every other team that beat Notre Dame had to play the week before they played Notre Dame, and so there were no buys. So I remember this; we had the same thing last year. Oh, all these teams have buy, and it's true again this year. There's a lot of teams. I think Pitt has a bye before Notre Dame. Clemson has a bye before Notre Dame. But you know what? Clemson had a bye before Notre Dame last year, and look what happened. Right. And I think part of it was is that big game was in their head for two weeks. You know, and that's a lot. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I just hope the weather's a little better in in, sure. in Clemson than it was last time. Not be, actually, I think it would benefit Notre Dame if it was like it was last time, and I think it benefited Notre Dame last time because Deshaun Watson didn't have a, a clean field to go after a Brian McGorder defense. Yes, and and I've said this before. I think it's different this time. I think anytime it's a weather game like that, it benefits Notre Dame because I mean they're the more you know you think that they're going to be the team that can run the football better. Yeah, I, but I, I just don't want it to be the case. Uh, and Brian, can I say I really like the last buy, especially after the Pitt and Clemson game because that's two of your most physical games all year, right? Like you're playing yeah, I didn't back even think about to that. back. You're playing back-to-back downhill teams, and you know how good Pitt will be. We'll see. But the one thing we know about Pittsburgh hey, is they're going to play hard and they're physical, right? Like, Ryan, if Pitt goes things. four and eight this year, and they're not a very good football team, there is still one thing that you and I can guarantee people here: they're going to play hard. They're yes. going to be physical. Yep. That's just what a Pat Narduzzi team, even when they're not good, that's how they are. I, what's kind of funny, though, I'll say this: their least physical football team was their best in recent years. Which is ironic. The team from last year that won the ACC. Now they were they were not physical on offense. They were physical on defense. They're yeah, always physical always on are. defense. Yeah. But offensively, they were kind of a finesse throw it all over the yard team, which yep. is kind of interesting. But this year with Whipple gone, they went back to what Narduzzi believes in, which is running the football. And they yep. were surprisingly better than I thought they would be this year, Ryan. To be honest with you, I thought they would be yep. a six and six, seven and five type of team this year, and they ended up winning nine games at the end of the year. So. Uh, yep, he did a he did a this was a really good coaching. He's had now two good coaching years in a row, Pat Narduzzi. I'm I'm going to be honest with you, Agreed. but they're going to be a good they're going to be a physical football team. So that's a really good point. So you have a bye between USC and Pitt, and then a bye after the USC and, or the Pitt and Clemson back to back games. Yep. You, you look at it and say if Notre Dame gets into November undefeated, they're they're in a pretty good position to be a playoff team, even with a loss to Clemson. It just mm-hmm. would have to be a competitive loss, but. 
if they go into that Clemson game with one loss and beat Clemson, then you feel really good about the finish there with uh, Wake Forest, who's going to be down, and a Stanford team's not very good. And I know, I know that Stanford beat Notre Dame this year, but that was a fluke. I'm just going to say it right now. They're going to destroy Stanford next season. I'm just, yeah. That's and so there's cool. not going to be that respect for David Shaw. So let's not, you know, rack them. Like, you know, the, maybe there will be this way. I don't know Troy Taylor, but he's about to catch one. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's about to, he's about to catch one. So I think that's an interesting part of the schedule too, Ryan, is, is the buys. I think that gets overplayed. I, I think that obviously the toughest stretch of the schedule is clear. It's that stretch that begins with Ohio State on September 23rd and ends with USC on October 14th. And so you have Ohio State at home. Then you play at Duke, who went 9-4 this year. You're right, Ryan. Mike Elko did a great job with Riley Leonard. A great job. I just – I wonder if Jamion – no, I don't think Jamion has an 18, 19, 20, 21-2. Jamion Franklin? Does he uh, have I, a sixth I, year? I, I talked to him like a few weeks ago. He's coming back, yeah. Nice. I love that yeah. kid, by the way. I'm just yeah. – I think it's cool that he's going to get a chance to play against us because he's still friends with a lot of guys on the team, by the mm-hmm. way. And and I, I probably about have been a month or two since I've talked to him. I love that kid. He's such a He's great a nice kid. kid. Very nice um, kid. So he'll get a chance to play against Notre Dame. And then they're at Louisville, which is interesting because Louisville is one of only two teams on the schedule this year that have new coaches. That was it this past year, the year before Notre Dame had a schedule. There's like just a bunch of new coaches on the schedule. So it's like, I don't know what to make of these teams. Yeah. So what's interesting is Louisville now at Louisville, you're playing Louisville with Jeff Brom. So their offense is going to look a lot different. And then how does that prepare you for playing USC the next week? Because they're going to be two pass-heavy football teams. Now, of course, Jack Plummer is not (laughs) Caleb Williams. Notre Dame has faced him twice now. They know what a Jack Plummer, Jeff Brom offense is going to look like. And by that time, Louisville played at least four or five games by that point in time. And then, of course, you have USC. So Ohio State at Duke at Louisville, home against USC before the bye. And then Pitt at Clemson. So that right there is the that four game stretch right there is is without question the toughest of the season, and it's two huge top ten teams at home, sandwiched around two pretty quality eight nine win caliber teams on the road. So it is definitely going to be a make or break slate for Notre Dame if right. they come out of that stretch undefeated or possibly with one loss. You feel like okay if you run the table now. Where the after Clemson, the best team you'd have to beat would be what Pitt. You start mm-hmm. feeling like, hey, you got a shot. But you could also come out come out of that with two losses, and and not necessarily both being to Ohio State and and USC. Because if you beat Ohio State on on the thirtieth or the twenty third, it's not a given. You're going to be mentally right to head down to 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 Durham to play Duke, or right. you know, and Louisville's going to be a good thing because Jeff Brom's going to have some athletes next year, Ryan. There's no doubt about that. No doubt. And, well, and not, so that, that's going to be a tough, tough four game stretch. It is definitely. I mean, there's a lot of skill, obviously, in that four man stretch of Ohio State, Duke, Louisville, and USC. But I would say this, Brian, if there's a, if that's the four game stretch right before a bye week, I am okay with it just because three out of four of those teams I don't think are overly physical football teams, right? So I think you can kind of get through that and stay healthy and keep the body right and me- mentally stay kind of locked in because it's not going to get. I mean, because Ohio State, unless they have a massive turnaround from a philosophical approach, they're not an incredibly physical football team. You know Duke's going to play a pretty physical brand of football for the most part. because They're going to they, at least play hard, for exactly. sure. Are they yep. strong enough and big enough and good enough to be physical the way that a pit will? Well, I have to study the roster a little bit more. 
But when yeah. I did watch them this year, they weren't a real big team, Ryan. No. They weren't necessarily a strong team, but they were a they played hard under yes. Mike Delco. Yep. There's no they doubt played, about that. There's zero doubt about that. But then Louisville is a team that a lot of athletes, Jeff Rom, I'm not going to say they're not going to play physical at all, but it's, you know, they're a little more of a That's not his style of play. I mean, he's exactly. just that's not who he is. And, and then USC. Yeah. So right. we don't have to say too much about USC. Right. Yeah. But Louisville's going to make you run chase all over the field forever. I mean, that that's the aspect too. It's like, there's different ways to wear you down. One is to just bang you in the face for 60 minutes. The other is make you chase all over the field, covering guys for 60 minutes. And though, by the way, I got to go cover guys for 60 minutes next week against USC. So it can certainly be a, certainly be a challenge in that stretch. So that's going to be sort of that make or break stretch for Notre Dame. In my opinion, the NC state game is, is a very interesting one, and, I'm, and I actually like where it's placed. Obviously, NC State got Brandon Armstrong this year. Yeah. Um, I guess how you view that game, Ryan, is going to go a long way towards determining how you – is going to be determined by how you view Brandon Armstrong, to be honest with you. And you and I have talked about this. You know my stance on, on, on him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm just not a – I'm just not a huge – Brendan Armstrong guy. And I know he put up monster numbers, you know, the other year, but I'm just not a huge, I'm not a huge Brendan Armstrong guy. Now the question is, is what I don't know is obviously how is he going to look with a new coaching staff? Because obviously Tim Beck is now the head coach at coastal Carolina. And so they brought in Robert and I here's, here's what makes it interesting. Hired Robert and I from Syracuse to be the offensive coordinator who was Brandon Armstrong's offensive coordinator two years ago when he put up all those huge numbers. Sure. So that does some add some intrigue to that, Ryan, in my opinion, is he's going to know that. He's like – like your first thought is, well, he's only going to be game two for him in a new system. Sure. Nope. It's going to be game 30-something for him in, a, in the <laughs> system. Now, he's yeah. going to be learning new teammates, but he's going to have all spring and summer to, to get to that point. So you're going to get a good NC State team. Aaron Raleigh. I would imagine that NC State's going to be a preseason top 25 team, to be honest with you. And and so I would I would anticipate that they got some names that like that like he's put together some names, Ryan, of of well-known people on his staff. He really has. So his offensive coordinator is Robin and I. His defensive coordinator is Tony Gibson, who's a very well-known D coordinator, has done a good job. His receivers coach is Joker Phillips. He's a really well-known guy. Uh, his quarterbacks Kurt, coach is Kurt Roper, who's who's a you know a longtime successful quarterbacks coach. Uh, he, he and he's got a special assistant to the head coach is a, a guy by the name of Ruffin McNeil, who you'll remember was the former head coach at East Carolina and longtime defensive coordinator at Texas Tech. Who uh, I, I had no idea he was brought, there. Wow. Yeah, hired Lincoln Riley as an offensive coordinator first, so he's not an on field coach. But there's there's some guys. Joe DeForest is the safeties coach. There's some guys on there that you're like, okay. These are these are known guys. There's there's a, it's a decent staff. I'm curious right. to see how they're going to be this year with Brendan Armstrong and Robert and I combination. They have some good talent at receiver coming back. There's mm-hmm. no doubt. They've lost a lot of big guys the last couple of years, which well, I'm curious about. They're losing a lot of defenses here too. They lost Drake Thomas, their linebacker, who's been the leading tackler over the last couple of years. Isaiah Moore's gone at linebacker. They lost Corey Durden. At defensive tackle, I think Peyton Wilson's coming back, so that's good for them. I mean, he's a really talented player. I think Shaheen Battle's coming back, so they'll have some guys on defense. But to your point, Brian, they're getting they're losing a lot from that front seven, especially this year. Yeah. 
So that's going to be an interesting game. It's not my trap game, though, Ryan. And when I look at this, you know, for me, the trap game, I was kind of debating between that Duke and Louisville game, but I'm I'm really going to settle in on the Duke game. I think that's the trap game for me. What I define a trap game is that opponent that maybe you overlook, and it's usually sandwiched before or after a big game that you can kind of maybe overlook. So maybe it's a, a game where you're overlooking this team because you've got Clemson coming up the next week or something like that, right? So mm-hmm. you could go with Pitt, but I don't think Pitt's kind of a rivalry. So I don't view that as a trap game. If Pitt gives Notre Dame a tough time, it's just because Pitt often gives Notre Dame a tough time. But the Duke game for me, because I don't know how if Duke is going to be the kind of team that is really going to uh, really get kind of the Notre Dame players riled up because you could say, well, he's got Mike Elko. There's nobody on the team next year that will have been here when Mike Elko was the defense coordinator, which it sounds crazy to me because it doesn't seem like it's been that long that he's at Notre Dame, but it, it it's true. I mean, nobody, nobody on this team will have known him. Now there are some 2018 kids that maybe got recruited by him. Sure. But I honestly can't think of any of those 2018 kids that are coming back for a sixth year other than DJ Brown. He'd be the only one. Nobody else is on defense is coming back for a sixth year. They're all the Adamiolas are gone. Jamie on to Duke. Ovia Gofu's gone. Jack Lamb is gone. Bo Bauer's gone. Shane Simon's gone. Noah Boykin's gone. Tariq Bracey's gone. Houston Griffith's gone. Derek Allen's gone. And DJ Brown's the only guy left from that 2018 class on defense. So it's uh it's interesting. It really is. Which by the way, we should do something this offseason. That ended up being a hugely disappointing class. Yes. Like I thought Jack Lamb was going to be a dude. He could never stay healthy. You know, the receiving court never really panned out to where you had the breakout year. Obviously, Phil Dracovic, his situation. Uh, outside of what, Jarrett Patterson? I don't – even the Adamiolas, like, they were good players, but did Jason really live up to that top 100 ranking? I don't know. At least not production-wise. He had some moments where he was really good, but production-wise, never had the production that that you'd think. Noah Boykin didn't pan out. Derek Allen didn't pan out. Houston Griffith didn't pan out. It ended up being a pretty disappointing class. Tariq Bracey ended up being yeah. a really good player. Kevin Austin had like that one good year. But overall, it turned out to be a really disappointing class for Notre Dame. But that's a, yep. another another conversation for another day, for sure. But yeah, it was very disappointing. But Duke is my trap game, Ryan, just because it comes right after Ohio State. Yeah, And it's a lot like we talked about with the Marshall game this year. It's either going to be you're worried about them being on too much of a high because they just beat Ohio State or super dejected because their playoff hopes just took a big hit because they lost at home to Ohio State. Right. So that's the game for me. That And 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 the other part of a trap game is a team's got to be able to score. Mm-hmm. And to me, a trap game against a good team, the reality is Notre Dame was not a good team when they played Stanford. <laughs> Let's be honest about it. They were three and two. But a good team, it's in order to beat a good team and upset a good team, I think you got to be able to score. And I think yeah. Duke's going to be able to score this year, Ryan. The good yeah. news is they don't have a bye before. I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, but <laughs> if you look at Duke, they're going to play Lafayette, Northwestern, and they play at UConn. So th- the hope is that they're 3-0 and by that point, and that helps them not to be overlooked by Notre Dame. So that's – fingers crossed. Don't get upset by Northwestern or UConn. So – well, I, I like that you picked both Duke and Louisville because that was where my mind went. And I actually kind of settled a little more on Louisville just for the mm-hmm. simple fact that you have a four-game stretch. That's the second part of the four-game stretch. You're coming off like – I mean, if you beat Ohio State if you're Notre Dame and you 
just kind of have that eye of the tiger, I guess, going into Duke. I think that you can overlook Louisville a little bit going into that USC meet, yeah. right? So you're going to look at that game and be like, yeah, I mean, they were good last year, eight and five, right? But like, we should still be able to take them. And then it's, you know, Jeff Brom and the explosive offense that they should have if Jack Plummer's playing good ball. Like, I think that they'll be able to score a few points, kind of to your point as well. So, I think that maybe you can get your eyes too far set of USC and you're on the second half of that daunting four-game stretch. So when you look at that, I think Louisville is another team that could potentially be a trap game in there because it's kind of sandwiched in the middle of two of your hardest opponents on the year. And it's a game where, I mean, USC is a team where Notre Dame fans, Notre Dame players alike, like they're programmed to not like USC, right? So the game before that, I think that has some implications to be a little bit of a game that might catch you off guard a little bit. I think we we kind of settled in on that same zone. I, I kind of thought about Pitt, but the with the bye week, it's like I don't think they're going to overlook Pitt, and it is a rivalry game. So, yeah, I went there. And then the other one, honestly, the other one I thought about, like yeah. everything I said earlier about Stanford was just having a little bit of fun. That's another one that you look at and say, well, let's say they're 11 0 at that point in time or 10 and 1. It's it, it could be a trap game if they're 11 0. Yeah. If they're if they're 10 and 1 or 9 and 2, they're going to be ready for Stanford because they know we got to win this game. But if they're 11 and 0 and Stanford just sucks as bad as you and I think they're going to suck this year, that's a game you wonder like, man, you know. It, yeah. But here's the thing. I, I don't, if, if Tanner McKee was coming back at quarterback, I'd be a little bit exactly. more concerned about it. But they're well, just—they lost Ryan, dude. They lost so much of their roster this offseason. That, that, that's why it's so bad too, Brian. Because like last year, I mean, Notre Dame on paper should have beaten Stanford convincingly, right? Like we talked about oh, that. Just but smashed you, them. Yeah. You could still point at some players though and be like, that guy can give you a problem, right? Like Tanner McKee can give you a problem. Michael Wilson can give you a problem. Like there's still some guys. Well, you know, the offense, a couple offensive linemen that are good football players. You lost Tanner McKee. You lost Michael Wilson. You lost Walter Rouse, who transferred out of that school as well. Defensively, I mean, they didn't really have much last year in general, which was why that game was so maddening. So, I mean, I, I don't know what, what part of the Stanford roster this year that you really are going to look at and be like, yeah, they might stink, but they have that guy, right? Like, I don't think they have tons coming back. So, yeah, I mean losing losing the tackles stings. Hinton went to Michigan. Where did where did uh, Rouse go? Where did I feel he like up? he went to Oklahoma? I Oklahoma? could be wrong about that. I okay. think he went to I'm, Oklahoma. I'm gonna look that up because that I'm gonna tell you something right now. It, it will not shock me at all if those two kids end up being very very good. He, he so it says like he yeah it's, it looks like he switched to to Oklahoma. He originally committed to Nebraska. Mm-hmm. And then uh, eventually flipped to Oklahoma. So wonder what wonder what made him flip. Gee, I don't know. <laughs> no clue. <laughs> yeah, but that's a that's a good pickup for them. But Hinton at yeah. Michigan is going to be really good. Oh, I think he's so. got tons of talent. He just hasn't been coached and hasn't been, you know. I, I know a they're losing soft offense. They're losing both tackles, so I don't know if they just keep him at right tackle, or maybe you get him a shot at left tackle with Ryan yeah. Hayes out the door now. Like I gotta yeah. think, I gotta think part of the conversation was putting him at left. Don't you think? Yeah. I, as far I would as hope kind so. of get him ready for the NFL. I would, would think. think so. And yeah, I mean, I they have. Um, I mean, they lost a couple guys with the offensive line, but you still have Zinter coming back. If you get the most out of a uh, Miles Hitton, then you know maybe Michigan could reload a little bit on offense. Because I mean, Brian, we talked about this before, right? Like. 
I, I've always been on the boat that Walter Rouse was really talented, no doubt. But for me, Miles Hinton is the guy where I look at it and say, like, that guy could be a first-round pick if he hit his upside. Obviously, he didn't do that, but, I mean, Miles Hinton, that's how you draw it up in a lab, man. That kid right. is six seven. 325 still looks felt like he can still put on more weight good athlete like that kid looks like a first run off at the tackle but he just hasn't been coached worth a darn at this point mm-hmm. it really is sad because they used to be one of the preeminent offensive line producers for a stretch of four or five years and they just became really really bad really bad sorry my uh mother-in-law's dog came down here and she's uh oh i was gonna say was that was that rita or saying no 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 my i would never (laughs) no my girls would come and they'll either like get here and say hi or go lay down but bella likes to sniff around and uh she's just strange dog (laughs) but uh anyway um so trap game we kind of talked about ryan any other kind of thoughts because we're going to jump into the mailbag here because there's a lot of lot of questions and we'll get into some mailbag stuff i just want to kind of go over the schedule we're not going to do like a prediction now because it's way too early right let's get through spring ball for that but i I do like the schedule i do think it sets up nicely i i like how they move the buys around i like moving wake forest around because i was really curious how are they gonna are they gonna have any november home games (laughs) when you looked at what was left that hadn't been determined yet because a lot of the teams that hadn't been placed yet, it was NC State, it was Duke, it was Louisville, and it was Pitt. Because mm-hmm. they had already kind of placed in Wake Forest on the early schedule. At least that's what uh, the FBS schedules had. And then you look at it, and they they moved the Wake game back, so they were able to get – so they end up going to be at home two of the last four games. I had a feeling they only be home once in their last four games based on how it all looked a, a week ago. Right. They end up getting a stretch. And there's also – there's no back-to-back – big games either exactly there's not even spaced out right yeah. there's not even really big game not big game they're mm-hmm. all spaced out with at least two weeks in between the the closest you could get to that is if you count nc state as a big game because it's right. nc state central michigan ohio state then it's ohio state and then it's duke and louisville before usc and then it's usc and then a bye and then Pitt, and then clemson so of the three big games now, and I mean big game by the perceived top 10 teams, right? Or rival or something like that. You know, sure. NC State's going to be a, a big game in some ways, and the Pitt game's going to be big in some ways, and, you know, games like that. But I mean, like, the the high-profile top 10 type of caliber team is, is you look at it. So I I think it's spaced out nicely. I like where the buys are. I, I, I'm, I don't love playing Navy at the beginning of the year like some people want just because – it just depends on how you handle it. It's like, I don't really want to waste time in fall camp working on the option, but the way that Notre Dame has done it in the past is they spend time in fall camp anyway, working on the triple option. Like, you know, Kelly did that. Mark coach Freeman has done that. And it's just like, okay, well, if you're going to do that, you might as well just do it and get ready to play Navy. And then just spend your last two weeks of fall camp, getting ready for triple option. And that's it, you know, and then use the rest of it to get ready for whatever. So that's kind of, that's kind of what I'm curious. But then, you know, you you, you got a t- Tennessee State game that you can kind of come back from Dublin, and that's going to be a weird trip. You know, that's going to be a quick turnaround. But you got yes. Tennessee State coming the next week. And, you know, it just – it is what it is. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Another thing that pops out to me is a lot of big recruiting opportunities during oh, the yeah. schedule, too, because I mean you had the Clemson weekend this year, right? Which was the weekend as far as you know getting players on campus. You have now Ohio State, you have yeah. USC are both home games, and it's going to have national attention. Out, out of this world, right? So you're going to have national attention. You're going to have a lot of kids on campus. And then also, you get a big win against USC. You go into the bye week. It's a recruiting week, right? You get to kind of go out there and flex your muscles a little bit. And then if you beat Clemson later in the year, a bye week right after that for more recruiting implications. So I think that this sets up again, if Notre Dame's able to have a really successful year, I think that Notre Dame has a chance to flex their muscles a little bit on the yeah. recruiting trail as well. Well, and, and you've got, to me, you've also got a third potential big game for recruiting in, in Pitt. Like, that would be a weekend I wouldn't necessarily be opposed to them bringing in a bunch of kids from Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and areas like that, you know, bring in, make the, it that the weekend. Caleb Brewers of the world. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, right. Definitely, yep. you know, and, and bringing in those kind of kids and the 2025 kids. So that would be a weekend for that. But, yeah, there's the, the other thing, too, Ryan, it, it's to your point about the recruiting weekend, but it also speaks to – this is going to be a much better home slate than it's been in the past. I mean, the, the recent years' home schedules have been brutal. This past year's Marshall, Cal, Stanford, UNLV, Boston College. That was mm-hmm. that was not a great. And Clemson, she so had the you had like the one good home game. The year before, you had the one good home game against Cincinnati. The rest was Toledo, Purdue, USC, who you knew was going to be down, North Carolina, Navy, and Georgia Tech. 2020 is just a different animal because of COVID, but it was really Clemson was the only good team you played. Florida State was a name team, but they weren't any good. 2019, it was New Mexico, Virginia, Bowling Green, USC, Virginia Tech, and Boston College. It's been a while, really, Ryan. 2018, Michigan and Stanford, you could argue, Pitt and Florida State, but again, Florida State wasn't very good back then. So they, they Vanderbilt and Ball State, it's been a while since yeah. Notre Dame's had multiple big home games. And then the last time really, Ryan, is 2017 mm-hmm. when they had three really good home games. You had you had Georgia, you had USC, and who was coming off – remember, 2016, USC was coming off a, a stretch of the end of the season where people were like, dude, that's not a team you – they could have played with anybody at the end of 2016. And then they were a preseason highly ranked team. They ended up being 12 – I think 12 when they played. No, they were top – what were they, 11 when they played, something like that. And then you had NC State, who that year made a climb and was in the top 25. So you had a really good slate, and this year is going to be similar. I mean, you know, yes, the Tennessee State game is a bad opponent, but I'm telling you, I'm not going to be shocked if the environment and the atmosphere that day is awesome. Because yeah. if Notre Dame doesn't allow the Tennessee band to play on the field that day, then you're screwing up, right? I mean, they allow exactly. bands, right, at a game. So 
I would imagine they're going to be there, and there's going to be a lot of Tennessee State because, I mean, Sean Davis will tell you this. A lot of people tell you this. Alums from HBCUs are fiercely loyal to their mm-hmm. college, and this yep. is going to be the biggest game, and I would assume, in the school's history. I mean, they're playing Notre Dame. And Eddie George is their head coach. It's going to be, I think, an awesome – and it's first home game of the year for Notre Dame. I think that's going to be a surprisingly cool environment, to be completely honest with you. I agree. And and then you've got Ohio State. You've got USC. Pitt is a rival. And then you've got the uniqueness of the Wake-Wake Forest, the the Sam Hartman-Wake Forest scenario, where Wake Forest isn't a team that would normally like, ooh, that's a really good home game. But the the storyline – of that is what's going to make it interesting, assuming that Sam's you know, healthy by the time they get to that point, knock on wood. So I think this is one of the better home slates they've had in a long time, Brian. When you look at two big-time name brands in Ohio State and, and USC, plus the Tennessee aspect, you've got a rival coming to town against Pitt. I'm, I'm looking forward to just seeing it, like being at the home games this year, much more than we've seen it. I mean, there's been some, Brian, some bad, bad home slates recently. I mean, really and, and- bad. I'm just glad that I don't have to hear people from a national pers- perspective being like, oh, Notre Dame doesn't play anyone. It's like, uh, <laughs> it's a pretty good schedule this year, man. So, And it, it's it's fun as people that are legitimate followers of the, of the football team from a fan perspective, right, to say every week it's going to be a good football game, right? Like you're going to have good teams in here. You're going to go to good teams. You're going to have an opportunity to see Notre Dame play a good brand of football against a good opponent. Like that's what makes it fun right like i don't want to see them just run all over tennessee state every week right like that's not gonna be fun i want to see them play in those duke games that are a a, a ascending team like i want to see them in those types of games that's what's been missing right let me ask you this because i actually i actually at my i had two reactions my initial reaction then as i thought through it when i saw that they were playing nc state in between central michigan and tennessee state i did not like it at first my initial reaction man i wanted those two cakewalk games but to your point, I do think there's merit to where you want to be challenged by someone before you get to Ohio State to come to town. Yeah. Right. Like, because the difference in speed between Navy, Tennessee State, and Central Michigan, and then Ohio State is like the Atlantic Ocean, right? Yes. It's a huge gap. NC State is not Ohio State, but they're going to challenge you a much greater degree than what you're going to get from those other teams. You're going to have a quarterback that knows how to run that offense. It's an offense that's going to spread you out. And so I actually, after I thought about it, I was like, you know what? I actually really like having NC State placed there. I think it makes a lot of sense as you get ready for Ohio State. Because I don't know if I love the notion of just playing nothing but cakewalks, you know, before you play Ohio State. Is that really the best way to prepare you for playing them? I, you know, I don't, I don't know. They're going to play in a pretty loud environment before they play Ohio State, which is going to also be a loud environment. And yeah, a lot of Ohio I, State fans will be there. Let's just be real about that. I mean, and Brian, what was our key to victory every single week? It was starting fast, right? I mean, how can I expect you to start fast because Ohio State, when you haven't seen any team speed for three straight weeks, right? I mean, right. that's 100%. I mean, yeah. Right. I want to see him take a little bit of an uptick. Oh, wow. Okay. We saw we saw some ACC speed now, right? We saw a little more speed than what we've seen the first couple weeks. Then you get to Central Michigan. Then you go to Ohio State and you're like, oh, but remember what we saw against NC State? It's going to be another tick up, but like at least we've seen some power five speed at that point in the season. Right. Yeah. And, and, and a team that's going to throw the ball. Exactly. That was the other thing I didn't really think about that I, that I, that I, as I thought more about it, like Central Michigan doesn't really throw it. 
mm-hmm. effectively or a ton. Tennessee State's not a team that throws it around a ton. And then, of course, no. the, the triple option. So you're going to go from nobody that knows how to throw the football to Ohio State if you didn't add the NC State game in there. Yep. NC State's going to throw the ball. If Robert and I is anything like he's been in the past, he's going to throw the ball a ton. I mean, we were complaining this year at Syracuse, like, dude, why didn't this guy use Sean Tucker more? Like that, I mean, you had a stud back this year and you still didn't use him effectively. Well, they're not going to have a Sean Tucker at NC State, so they're going to be throwing the football, you know. Yes. So you say, okay, this is this is that's a good test. So, like, you need those kind of games, Ron. Like, Louisville is that for USC where you're getting that opponent where you're like, you look, this may not be a team that can beat you per se if you unless you play bad. I mean, there a lot of teams are good enough to beat Notre Dame if they don't play very good football. Sure. Duke can beat them. NC State can beat them. Louisville can beat them. Pitt can beat them. Wake can beat them. Stanford can beat them. But if you play just kind of your B game, you're going to beat a lot of those teams, right? Maybe not as convincingly as you hope, but it's also about, okay, but does that team play a style, of, a brand of football that kind of prepares you for that really big game coming down the road? And it does. Louisville's definitely going to get you more prepared to play against USC, right? NC State's going to help prepare you for Ohio State, not because it's a a – a comparable team talent-wise, but style of play-wise, there's going to be a lot of similarities. No doubt. And so I think that's something that's going to help you help this team with this year's schedule as well. So I like it. It's one of my favorite schedules, honestly, right? I mean, it's early, right? But it's 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 one of my favorite. It's actually, you know, a team that was a schedule that was going to be a really good schedule, I thought, was the 2020 schedule before COVID. Because <laughs> you had Wisconsin and Lambeau. Right, or I mean, you had excuse me, you had, yeah, you're gonna have Wisconsin and Lambeau. You were gonna have Arkansas come to town. You had USC. I mean, it was gonna be a really good schedule, in my opinion. And then it, you know, yes. went away. Yeah, and became and the and the, and the fans also oh, went away. So. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that was a garbage schedule. But I really like the pre-COVID 2020 schedule. Who knows how good it would have been? I don't know. But it 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 was a fun looking schedule beforehand, and I like the schedule. You, you do because I think you made a good point. Like I'd much rather play at Duke, who's an ascending team, than you know play some Duke, but still a team you're better than, than to play a team like Duke, who's terrible and doesn't really prepare you for anything. To be exactly. honest with you, you yeah. got to have that blend, right? You've got to have the teams that are honestly you just kind of show up, roll the ball out, and you beat them. You got to have those teams. I'm I'm sorry, I know a lot of old school. There's some guy on Facebook was like, oh, you know, Lou Holtz's teams never played teams like Cal. And I'm like, dude, did you not see Notre Dame's schedule in 1988? Like, yeah, it was brutal at the top. You had some, you had to, you had to beat four top 10 teams. You, you also had to beat Rice. You had to beat Navy, who at the time was terrible. <laughs> you know, like Michigan State was a very, very mediocre Big Ten football team. Like, let's not pretend like they played Michigan, USC, Miami, West Virginia, Florida State you know, every, Nebraska, Oklahoma every single week. You know, you need those games that are kind of like, hey, look, we've had a rough three weeks. Let's just get through this next week. This team sucks and get ready to and get ready to play. Yeah. So I think they've got that. They obviously have the top end. That's clearly there. But there's also good stuff in the middle of it, right, Ryan, where it's like, you know, there's the Dukes and the Louisville's who aren't world beaters, the Pitts, the Wake Forest, but they're good football teams that you've got to get mentally ready for. Yep. And I think that's something that helps make you a strong, mentally tougher football team, uh, especially come postseason time, you know, okay. and you have a much more te- true test of who you are. Like you mm-hmm. could have a couple really good weeks and you just beat a couple really good teams. 
and maybe you're not quite that good. They just had bad games. You had great games. But when you're tested week after week after week, the way that Notre Dame will be kind of beginning September 9th, I think you you have a much more firm grasp of who you are as a football team by the time the season ends. Agree. I agree. I mean, it's it's the battle-tested thing, right? Like winning one big game doesn't show me that you can consistently do it. Winning three big games, that shows me something, right? Or at least kept- two. Right. right, exactly. Yeah. I mean, if they're if they're two and if they're two and if they beat the teams they're supposed to beat, mm-hmm. let's be honest. There's nine teams in the schedule they're supposed to beat. Will they? I don't know, but they're supposed to. They should. Now it's can you because here's here's where Marcus Freeman gets a chance to separate himself from Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly beat the teams he was supposed to beat. Coach Freeman didn't do that in year one. I I I, I anticipate that not being the case next year. Now what he has to do is he went one and two against the three behemoths on this past year schedule one and two i mean and that's not good enough that's what brian kelly would do right where they'd go 10 and 2 and you lost the like 2019 they went 10 and 2 seems like a good year right well they only they only they beat the only two ranked teams they played or they lost to the only two ranked teams they played that year that's not good so that's what coach freeman's got to do you got to go at least two and one against the dudes on your the dudes on your schedule which is ohio state usc and clemson Yep. Right. I mean, that's just the reality. And and this could be sort of the potential nail in the coffin for Clemson if Notre Dame can beat them again. Because you'll now have three out of four wins over Clemson. You'll have now surpassed them in as a program, in my opinion. Because the 2018 title is, you know, what I mean, like there's no there's nobody left from those teams, really. You know, like once once all the kids who were on the championship teams are gone, it's like, okay, that era is kind of gone unless you've gotten back to that level again. And they yep. haven't. I mean, the only kids in the roster now that have played in a playoff game lost like, was it 50? What was the score of that game in 2020? What, against Ohio playoff. State? Yeah. Yeah, uh, it was awful. Like 50 I mean, something got, to 20 years. They got or blown something. out. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they got they got smashed by Ohio State that year. It was Just, Justin Fields threw like six touchdowns in that game. Like, yeah. yeah, 49 to 28, and it really yeah. wasn't that close. No. And then the previous year they played in the championship game and, and lost – you know, 42 to 25. So, I mean, the last two post, you know, big playoff games they've played and they lost, and then they lost the Orange Bowl this year. So they're not the team they were in 18. And you can kind of just one more team you can pass. And I think you got to beat them again. You got to beat them on the road once before okay. I can say for sure you've really passed them as a program. Yeah, you beat them at home, but you get whipped by them every time you play them away, you know, you play them away from home the last two times. So they're gonna have to they're gonna have to play well there. But I love this schedule. I'm looking forward to kind of I mean, and some look. I mean, I'm like, okay, look, I'm gonna fly down to Norfolk twice this year for games to see my family because whenever they play in North Carolina, I get a fly fly home to see my family for a couple days, then drive to the game. I'll get to do that against Duke and against NC State. I'm really looking forward to Clemson again. That was a fun place to watch a football game, and even in the pouring rain, it's an outdoor stadium, so that's gonna make it a little interesting in November, November fourth. It can get a little chilly in the southeast, you know, that time of the year. But I'm looking forward to that. And then I'm Louisville's a drive. I mean, last time they played Louisville, I drove down there. You know, so it's like by the time you get to the airport, go through security, do I mean you're basically in Louisville, you know, and then fly and they get your bags and do all that stuff. So it's gonna be a fun schedule, right? I'm, I'm very much much looking forward to it. Now I just gotta decide if I can afford to go to Dublin because Ooh. there's no way I'm going to Dublin by myself if I want to stay married. That's just the reality of it. So <laughs> That's very true. um uh, so yeah, so I gotta see if that's gonna work or not. If I if I went to that game and didn't allow Angela to come and shoot the game, I I don't know if I'd have a home when I got home. 
You know what I mean? Like I, I'd have to worry about that. You one, would so. get back and the whole house is just gone. Everything's yeah, just gone. Just, everything's gone. <laughs> just yeah. No, she no no no. She'd probably she's Italian, so she'd probably like literally cut everything in half. You know what I mean? Just like <laughs> you know, half. Yeah. leave you in half. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. So anyway, that's the only that's the only game that we're where I, I gotta figure out. You know, so I, I'm very much looking forward to this schedule next year. Very much looking forward to. It. And then the last time Ohio State came to Notre Dame Stadium was Lou Holtz was a coach. And you know who the running back was the last time Ohio State played in Columbus? Eddie George. The last time Ohio State played in, uh, in Notre Dame? Yeah, it was Eddie George. I'm pretty sure. There you go. I'm pretty sure because that was, what, 1996, right? Mm-hmm. The last time they, so. they played. So I think I think that um, that Eddie George was on that team, right? Or was he done in 95? Am I thinking of the – because I know he – Let's see remember. here. 1996, remember. the schedule. I always get 95 and 96 confused. If my buddy Jason was listening, he'd be correcting me on this already. Yeah, they played at Notre Dame in 1996. And now I just got to go see if that – if because now I'm thinking that Eddie George wasn't on that team. I think he might have been done the year before. So let me look at their stats here real quick. Look at the old the old Buckeye stats that year. Yeah, Peppy Pearson was their starting running back in 96. So, so Eddie George was not here the last time they played. It was Peppy Pearson. Stanley Jackson and Joel Germain were their quarterbacks, and their best receivers, Demetrius Stanley and David Boston. Remember him, David Boston? David Boston, who was one of the biggest freaking nature athletes ever, but yeah. couldn't stop eating. So couldn't stop eating and couldn't uh, couldn't beat Charles Woodson. So there you go. <laughs> yes. So yeah, so Sean, so Sean's listening. So yeah, they it was Peppy Pearson. Eddie George was the running back against Notre Dame when they played in Columbus the year before. I always get 95 and 96 back, like which one was in Notre Dame Stadium. So it's been a long time. I was in high school the last time that Notre Dame played Ohio State in South Bend. So I'm very much looking forward to seeing that one. And I get to talk trash to all my family in Ohio because they didn't go to either one of those games, and I'm going to get to go to both of them. So (laughs) not spiteful at all. Peppy Pearson's a great name, though. I like that name. They used to have great names at running back. I mean, Carlos Snow. Ernest Biner, you know what yeah. I mean? Like Archie Griffith. They had great names at running back back in the day. You know, they they really did. Ohio State really had some some guys with some really good names. I'm trying to remember they had another guy a couple years later that was uh had some uh, had a really interesting. Remember Michael Wiley? Remember Notre yes. Dame tried to recruit him, but that's not who I'm thinking of. It might actually it was somebody before Peppy Pearson, I believe. I think it was somebody it's before Eddie George. I'm trying to remember the name of their back. Uh, yeah, Eddie George was 14. Man, he was so good. Eddie George was so good. Raymond Harris. Butler Benote. That's who it was. Oh, he had a great cool. name. Yeah, yeah. I remember him. Yeah, he had a he had a really good name. He was never their guy, but he had a great name. They had some guys with some really cool names back then. Yeah, Carlos Snow in 1991. He had a great name. So, yeah, they've had some running backs with some really cool names over the years. Scotty Graham was a really good back. Not a cool name, but really good back. Uh, and then, of course, Maurice Claret. He was a he was a coach. So they, they've had some really big time running backs at Ohio State over the years. They really have. J.K. Dobbins was always a really good name too. He didn't really suck. Yeah, no, Ezekiel right. Elliott. That's a cool name. You know, yeah. Ezekiel Elliott. <laughs> yeah, it's a really get, good. Get, name. The, get the alliteration going on that one. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I like it. yeah. I mean, when was the last time you saw a running back that was really good? Like, like name Joe Bob Smith. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, just you know. Definitely no Audric Estime. Yeah. No Audric Christian Estime. McCaffrey. Just has kind of a, a ring to it. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Yep. So yeah, you gotta have a cool name. You gotta have a cool name. Brees Hall. 
right? Like, I mean, you know, like Kenny Walker, like, you know, I think of when I think of the name Kenny Walker, I think of the the guy for the Knicks, the, you know, Kenny Skywalker. Oh, Skywalker. Yeah. 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 So, uh, but yeah, it's also pretty good running back over the years. So anyway, Ryan, that's going to do it for this portion of the show. We are going to have a mailbag next. So we have some questions start. If you guys have more questions or comments about the schedule, please put those in there. You can do mailbag and have a comment too. So we've got some already. If you guys want to get to more, please submit those questions now. But before we get to the mailbag, folks, we would greatly appreciate if you hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, hit that notification bell and share this podcast. Give us a five-star review. And I want to thank all of you that went over to watch the IB, the CFB Nation channel on YouTube. We have got to the 4,000 watch hours, so that's awesome. And so we uh, did the submit for uh, to be monetized yesterday. So hopefully we'll hear back in the next few weeks about that. And then once that gets rolling, we've got some really cool stuff planned. Ryan, you know, can we kind of hint about the new show you're going to have coming up on CFP Nation here pretty soon? Yeah, uh, Ryan is going to do a weekly draft show now. Uh, kind of, It's going to run most of the year. Probably take a little bit of time off over the summer, but during the season it'll have a draft show where it kind of looks at – you know, the big draft matchups that upcoming week and things like that. So that'll be part of CFP Nation. So we're going to really start. Uh, I'm going to probably start a show here on CFP Nation where I'm going to kind of have just talk about the the latest news and notes of college football. So really going to ramp that up without taking away from what we're doing at Irish Breakdown. That never goes away. That's always number one. And so it's just adding on to that. So I'm very, very excited about that and hopefully we have some other big news that we're going to be able to announce here pretty soon as well as part of the CFB nation, which is of course a a child of Irish breakdown, which is always, always going to be our baby. So that's going to do it for this portion of the show. Ryan mailbags coming up next. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom, and a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. 
And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.